happy Mother's Day to all of our moms joining us today in person and online. We're so excited. I want to acknowledge that today is a joyous celebration for some, but for others, it's hard. You may have lost that mom recently, or you may not have the best relationship with your mom. And so I do want to acknowledge that today we want to honor moms, but we also want to acknowledge that for some it is hard. So I honor you today and thank you for coming into the house of the Lord to worship and to hear his word. That's what it's all about, his word. First, I would like to thank my pastor and my husband for this opportunity to speak to you today about what the Lord had put in my heart. Uh, and oftentimes, whatever God is dealing with you, he's often not just dealing with you, but he's also dealing with others about it. And so I'm not only speaking to moms today, but rather I'll be teaching a lesson of my sermon title, One Thing, Obeying the Voice of God. One Thing, Obeying the Voice of God. So today I believe that the Lord is speaking to young, to old, to single, married, widowed, divorced, to everybody. But before we begin, I would like to ask that you close your eyes and just pray, God, open my ears, open my mind, and open my heart to hearing what you have for me today. And let me not just come to a service and hear a good word and get excited, but let me leave here with a made-up mind this week to apply this word in my walk with you. Let's pray together. Jesus, we just thank you so much that you are the giver of life. You are our heavenly father. You are the miracle worker. And today I believe that you're going to confirm your word with signs following. You're going to heal the brokenhearted. You're going to set the captive free. We're going to hear testimonies of just how good and great you are, not because of a sermon, but because of your word. We thank you for allowing us to be here today. And we always want to give you the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name. And let me hear you say amen. Let me hear you say amen. All right. Well, we're going to start with Genesis 22, verse 18. And so I'm going to be reading about 18 verses. And it's a story. So just follow with me. It's a story. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. Take now thine son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him up for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains that I will tell thee. Abraham rose up early in the morning, and he saddled his ass, and he took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went into the place which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he saw the place afar off, and Abraham said to his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder in worship, and come again to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, he laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they both went together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, he said, here am I, my son. Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb? Where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My God, my son, God will provide himself a lamb. 
for a burnt offering, so they went both together. And they came to a place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar of wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, took the knife to slay his son, and the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And he said, lay not your hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns, and Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the stead of his son, and in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, because you have not, thou hast not done this thing and has not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies and thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Why? Because thou has obeyed the voice of the Lord, thy vo my voice. The word tempt in this context means test. God gave Abraham a test not to trip him up and watch him fall, but to deepen his capacity and character. Just as the fire refines the ore to extract precious metals, just as the pearls are made through a process in which sand and parasites enter into an oyster and the shell releases a fluid of coating, God refines us through difficult circumstances. When we are tested, we can complain or we can see, try to see how God is stretching to develop our character or expose things in our heart that are not like him. It's interesting that oftentimes our faith isn't tested in the good times. It's when you can't see, it's when you can't feel, but yet God is still working. This story of Abraham is one of faith and obedience. The Bible says that faith without works is dead. I recently heard a message say that faith is a noun. However, believing is a verb, and it puts faith into action. The backstory of Abraham and Isaac is that for years, like they were like 90 years old, <laughs> for years Abraham had waited for the promised child. Him and his wife Sarah even came up with their own plan of producing this promised child through Sarah's handmaid, and back then that was the common practice. However, God had another plan. That at age 90, I mean, I'm like 30-something with a three-year-old, so I can't imagine at age 90, opening her womb, birthing this promised child, and finally, the promised child of Isaac was here. While we don't know exactly how old Isaac was during this time of testing, theologians believe that he was around 14 years old. He was old enough to walk and talk 
and even carry the wood up the mountain, as the Bible recalls. Now, after years, 14 years, you're living with this child. Now, God tests his obedience and love. But in John 14, 15, it's Jesus tells his disciples, if you love me, keep my commandments. Obeying God can oftentimes be a struggle of our will against his will. A giving up of something that we truly love or want. However, God is a jealous God. You know, I think about it. Just as a wife or a husband would not want their spouse to desire anyone else, God wants us to love and desire him above all else. God did not want Isaac to die. He wanted Abraham to sacrifice Isaac in his heart so it would be clear that Abraham loved God more than the promise, more than his son. Again, the purpose of this test was to strengthen Abraham's faith and character and commitment to God. So it's interesting. There's three valuable lessons that we're going to learn through this. The first is obedience is better than sacrifice. And what does that mean? At times, God is going to ask you, but we can delay the blessing of watching God work all things together for good if we hold back the one thing that we don't want to surrender. God wants to give you beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. How many of us are holding back sharing our testimony with others because we're embarrassed we're ashamed. How many of us have accepted depression, oppression in our lives as opposed to confessing it to someone and they're going to pray the prayer of faith and we will be healed? How many of us allow the spirit of heaviness to weigh us down as opposed to pressing past our thoughts, pressing past our feelings and learning to worship even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it? The second lesson is the value of relationships. Abraham invited two young lads to come with him. We're not meant to live life alone. God created us to live in community. The Bible says we are to weep with them that weep. We are to rejoice with them that rejoice. And it's so important that we continue to bear one another's burdens, that we fulfill the law of Christ. Who are the people in your life that are speaking and walking with you? Who are you allowing to speak? Not just words of encouragement. Sometimes it's accountability. While the two men didn't go all the way up to the mountain with Abraham, they were with him through part of the journey. Allow yourself to cultivate godly relationships. Don't just settle for a Sunday worship experience. We come in here, we feel the presence of God, but God has so much more than just the Sunday worship experience. Not to ever take away from it, but to add to it. You know, we do midweeks because we want to grow in our faith with God. We join life groups because we want to connect with other people. I encourage you, invite people over for dinner. Meet up with someone for coffee. Decide that you refuse to be alone. Let me hear you say, I refuse to be alone. Matthew 18, 20 says, for where two or three, it doesn't say, but it's more than one, 
Where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. There is power in numbers. There is power in togetherness. There is power in agreement. And the third lesson is the promise of praise, the power of praise and promise. When Abraham told his men to stay there and that him and Isaac were going to go yonder to worship and they were coming back, like, what was he thinking? I know I got to go sacrifice my son, but we're going to come back. But you know what? He had a faith perspective that I'm going to go worship. I'm not going to go sacrifice. I'm going to go worship. Your mentality and how you see worship is what you're going to get out of it. If you wake up in the morning, I got to go to church. No, it's I get to go to church. I get to go worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so I just want to encourage you. You know, he might have not had any idea, God, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I'm going to speak it because there's life and death in your words. There's life and death in your words. What you're speaking into your life and what you're speaking into your life of your children and what you're speaking into the lives of others. Well, I'm not saying them in front of them. It doesn't matter. God still heard those words. If you're complaining and grumbling about that boss or that coworker, it will come out. But if you pray, if you pray for those that despitefully use you, I promise you God is going to change that situation. So what is that faith perspective? You know, he was declaring the power of praise that every time we surrender something, it's an act of worship. He was walking in faith and promise that even while God was asking him to surrender his son, and they kept saying his son, his only son. It's like, okay, God, were you trying to rub it in? It's his son, his only son. But man, God is so good that he had the faith to believe that God would provide himself an offering and that they would both return. Abraham remembered God's promise from years past that Isaac and Isaac, he would establish a covenant. I pray that in the midst of your tests and your trials, don't lose sight of the promises don't lose sight of what God's already spoken to you about. God has promised that he would never leave you nor forsake you. He has promised that he is your helper and you should not fear what man should do unto you. I think sometimes we get spiritual amnesia because we forget that God is God. <laughs> God is God and he's fighting for us. He made us more than conquerors, that no weapon that is formed against us shall prosper, that he is an on-time God. And the story, the angel, as soon as he had the knife up, that's when the angel spoke. The angel didn't take the knife away. The angel didn't, like, stop him as he was putting his knife down. The angel spoke. So we have to have our listening ears available. That's why sometimes in prayer, God's like, I want to speak to you, but you keep talking. <laughs> so he says, Lily, be quiet. And so it's that discipline of listening to his still, small voice. We want to see lightnings. We want to see thunder. We want to see fire. But God just says, I need you to be still. <laughs> I need you to be still and know that I am God. So, man, God provided. And, you know, what if Abraham would have withheld Isaac? Would he have experienced God as Jehovah Jireh, God as his provider? Would he have the testimony that an angel called out to him right as he was about to do that? 
And, you know, Abraham's blessing first, Abraham's descendants, so everybody that followed after him, it, they conquered their enemies. Second, it was to their children and to their grandchildren. So this song is so on point that the promises are to your children and to their children. And so, but third, people's lives would be changed as a result of Abraham's family and his descendants. You know, sometimes we think blessings are gifts to be enjoyed, and some of them are, but other times they are blessings so we can bless and overflow to others. Just as Abraham was willing to offer his son, his only son, to God, God is asking, what is the one thing in your life that you are desiring of the Lord? In Psalms 27 and 4, the, and 4, the psalmist says, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Parents, we can't give our children something we don't already possess. Abraham couldn't go up that mountain if he previously and privately had not done it himself. We need to have a personal walk with God before we can model it to our kids. Our kids are watching. <laughs> they will say what we say. They will do what we do. But it's never too late and it's never too early. To, bring, to make your home a house of the Lord. To make sure that you are beholding the beauty of God even in the messiness of life. To inquire in his temple and say, you know what, God, I commit. I commit my Sundays to you. Why? Because I want to give you the first fruits of my week. I want to start my week off with you. In our daily walk, how do we prioritize our relationship with Jesus and others above the task? And this is hard for a type A personality because I always have my list. <laughs> above the tasks, above the activities, above the to-do list. So in Luke 10, 42, there's two sisters, Mary and Martha. At their house, Jesus comes over. Martha's running around, cleaning, serving, doing all the chores. Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. <laughs> Martha's like, what are you doing? Like, have her come help me out. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen. God has given you free will. It's a choice to live for God. But man, is it the best choice you will make. Mary has chosen that good part that shall not be taken away from her. Your relationship with God, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Choose and invest in your walk with God and relationships with others. Relationships take work. They take time. They take effort. They take vulnerability, openness to open yourself up to somebody. It takes sacrifice. They take communication. And that's whether it's your relationship with God or with others. Once again, think as to what in your life is the Lord asking you to surrender or to sacrifice? How do you respond when he asks something of you? Is it in worship? We're going to go worship, Isaac. We're going to go up to the mountain. Let me get the wood. Let me get the fire. Let me get the stuff. Let's bring friends along with us. 
or is it in grumbling and complaining? Do you hold on to the eternal promises of God or focus on the immediate loss? In Mark 10, 21, Jesus was talking to a rich young ruler who told them, hey, Jesus, I've kept all the commandments since the beginning of life. What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, beholding him, loved him. (laughs) Jesus sees our personality. You don't have to be a cookie cutter of anyone else. Jesus sees your personality, and he made you that way for a purpose, to connect with people that maybe somebody else might not connect with. He said, Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever you have, Give it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Where are you building your treasure? Where are you building your treasure? Come, take, some, take up the cross, and follow me. If God asked you, if God asked me to sell all and give it away, how would I respond? Last year, around this time, God started dealing with me about resigning from a job that I loved. <laughs> to follow my seasonal calling, to be a mom, a wife, and a pastor's wife. Even though I resigned in May, it still took me seven months to fully surrender this love to God and before I left my place of employment. In the fall, God asked me to start a bilingual life group of which I felt like my Spanish, especially my Bible Spanish. So major props to Daniel and all the bilingual people, my Bible Spanish, because I was like, Lord, I know how to speak. Hello, how are you? I don't know how to say, you know, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Arrepiéndense. <laughs> like, that's all I knew at that moment. And so, you know, but the Lord. I've watched the Lord. The Lord opened doors because it's not about our abilities. It's about our availability. Are you open? Are you available? Are you listening? Are you listening when God is speaking? You know, and so in the beginning of the year, just when I thought, okay, God, I gave up like a love, my job. We're done. Give me a break. (laughs) God started dealing with me about a financial decision that he wanted me to surrender to him. Why? Because I often worry about finances, which then would cause tension between pastor and I. And God doesn't want your marriage to be in tension. God wants you guys to be on the same page. Two became one, so one mind, one accord. And so at that point in time in April, I finally surrendered this decision to God and have watched God open doors, like helping us pay off the invest, which was a financial vow that we made to God, and the door for pastor to go on a crusade in July to Brazil that I believe will change him, will change our church, and will change eternity. I wonder... I wonder if it hadn't, if I hadn't surrendered or started these things that God put in my heart. You know, it's, I, I think of the story of Esther. I think of Mordecai speaking to Esther. If it's not going to come through you, it will come through someone else. God is giving us the opportunity, the opportunity to do something for his glory and his honor. Music, if you'd come. I told Pastor, this is going to be like a 15-minute sermon. <laughs> he was like, what? Um, you know, we all have. <laughs> we all have a one thing that God is dealing with us about. 
something we need to start doing, like praying, studying the word, committing to church, serving, fasting, teaching a Bible study, or it may be surrendering or letting go of something. What hurt, what unforgiveness, what insecurity, what anger. It could be a habit. There's habits in the church. We're people. You will not find a perfect church as long as there's people in it. (laughs) Is it an addiction to drugs, to alcohol, pornography, worrying, people-pleasing? Or is it a hang-up? Well, I've been baptized. I don't have to get re-baptized. But were you baptized in Jesus' name? Have you spoken in tongues, as the Bible says, when they received the Spirit? I don't need to submit to my spouse. Well, the Bible says, submit yourselves one to another. You know, whatever it is, I want to invite you to take the pen. Everybody should have a pen and a card in front of you. And as the music starts playing, we're going to have you write down, what is your one thing? What is your Isaac, your only son that needs to be laid down or picked up at the altar? then I invite you to come and lay it down at the altar and to pray. To pray for God to give you the strength that you need to obey. And I want you to believe that God's blessing is going to be poured not just to you, but to your children and to their children and to all that are afar off. Why? Because you heard the voice, you obeyed the command, and you're here to worship. So I encourage you, not just our moms, moms, dads, siblings, little ones, big ones. What is that one thing? What is that one thing? And we'll just have some time to lay it up here at the altar.